This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Today on the Illinois Enquirer podcast, Illinois basketball is playing games in Spain. Unfortunately, I'm not able to, to see those. We weren't able to uh, pull off the trip this time overseas, but uh, we do have box scores and we have a score. Illinois beat the Madrid All-Stars 84-73. Nice comeback in the fourth quarter, outscoring Madrid 25-12. But they shot three for 25 from three-pointers. They shot about 58% from the free throw line. Um, but they didn't rebound really well. But how much can we take out of these games? How much can we take out of just looking at box scores? Uh, I think these mean something. I don't think they mean everything. I think some of these stats kind of talk about some of our concerns, uh, kind of reinforce those, and some of them reinforce some strikes about this team. But uh, I decided to bring on Michael Tulip, former Atlanta basketball player, Atlanta Choir basketball analyst, to get his insight because he's been on these trips. And uh, he gave some great insight about what we can take away uh, from this Spain trip over the next week or so. So we'll dive into that. Uh, But last podcast we had, we talked about the possibilities of conference realignment, the possibility of Oregon and Washington joining the Big Ten. A day later, that happened. The Big Ten's going to 18 teams next year. Next year, four West Coast teams now with Oregon and Washington involved. And the Pac-12 is just disappearing before our eyes. Uh, it's it's amazing. It is amazing what is happening. Whether you like it or not, it is amazing that it is happening. Um, not amazing in the, in the sense that it's great, but just that it, it's actually happening. Like That is um, just hard to fathom. Hard to fathom that it's actually actually won't happening it's astonishing so what this means like here i don't love this like on the i just i don't i don't love this i I think we're going away from the traditions and rivalries that have mattered and it made college football so special but realignment is not new this has been happening forever um we maybe in 90s and 2000s early 2000s had some calm periods but this has been happening for a long time penn state joined um, the Big Ten, obviously, in, in the 93, and it, it's continually kind of happened. But this is the biggest one yet um, because earlier moves led to this, right? Like USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten led to this, and you could argue Maryland and Rutgers joining the Big Ten from the East Coast started all of this. Nebraska kind of always made sense, right? They always geographically, culturally made sense. 
the others are it's the modern age of TV contracts and media rights contracts. That's why Maryland and Rutgers are valuable to the Big Ten. That's why USC and UCLA are, are valuable to the Big Ten. That's why Texas and Oklahoma are valuable to the SEC, um, even though they might fit a little bit better geographically and culturally than some of the Big Ten schools uh, that have recently joined. But it, I don't. I just have questions more than anything. Um, for football, I, I guess this kind of makes sense, but for all these other sports, man, like this really doesn't make sense. Like the basketball impact, the baseball impact, the softball, the gymnastics doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of sense. Other than football is going to bring in a lot more money, and that's what it's all about. This is I've said this in the last pod. Like this is as American as it gets because it's an American tradition that's kind of going away. The the way we look at this, but it's the most capitalistic thing ever. That's what is happening here, and. I'm going to be scatterbrained kind of in this and shotgun approach, but the lack of a central power here, the NCAA, um, not having any power in all of this just kind of allows this to happen where these conferences are just kill or be killed, man. And that's what we're seeing. The The Pac-12 had the chance to kill the Big 12, and they didn't. And then the Big 12 and the Big Ten have just basically said, yeah, our alliance, no, no, thank you. We we need, want to survive. They want to survive, and they want to thrive. And the Big, Te- Big 12 is surviving, and the Pac-12 probably is not. And then the Big Ten thriving because they killed. <laughs> they, they stole Maryland and Rutgers. They stole Nebraska. They stole USC, UCLA, and now Oregon and Washington are added to the mix. And it, it makes sense for Oregon and Washington's interest of, you know, even if they have to take less money, they're surviving. Like, they aren't going to go down with the ship with the Pac-12 because they are valuable. The Big 12, the schools going to the Big 12, Utah, the Four Corner Schools, Arizona, Arizona State, like, they go in here because they want to survive and they see the Pac-12 going down. And the difference between making $20 million a year and potentially, what, 45 50 for some of these other, uh, Washington and Oregon, and almost 80 mil for USC and UCLA, it's 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 about survival. It's about long-term interest of each of these individual schools and each of these individual athletic departments and individual conferences. But what does this mean long-term is kind of the question I keep coming back to. And I'm trying to keep the long view of this because I can get caught into the minutia of, like, what is, is there divisions in 2024? Um, is, is Illinois, like, is the West going to be back? Is there going to be like a Great Lakes division? Is there going to be a West division, East division? You know what I mean? Like all those different things. And it really doesn't matter until we figure out how many. Is it going to be 20 teams? Is it going to be 24 teams? And what what is the end product here? Is it Stanford and Notre Dame join the Big Ten along with like North Carolina, Duke, and Virginia and Virginia Tech? You know what I mean? Like if that's the end of it. And then the SEC has 24 schools. And then it's basically the Western and Eastern Conference, or the AFC and NFC. That's what's happening. It's a professionalization of of college sports. And a lot of people hate that, especially if you're a Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford, or Cal fan right now. Or if you're maybe a Big 12 or ACC school, like if you're Wake Forest and you know some of these other schools in the ACC, I'd be a little nervous in 10 years. The Grand Rights maybe walks in for a while, but I'd be a little nervous if I were them. But we're, we're having a consolidation. But the end product, could it be pretty good? It could be. Right? If you had 
at the end of the day, if you had like a 20 team or 24 team Big Ten with four divisions, and you're basically like an MLB or NFL playoff race, and winning the division gets you into the college football playoff, and then right, like the professional sports playoffs are awesome. Like that could lead to a great college football playoff. Now, what it means for the NCAA tournament, on the other hand, and, and some of these other things remains to be seen. But I want to say, that would be pretty fun if you're in it. <laughs> if you are one of the schools, whether it's 48 or 64 or whatever it is, that could be pretty fun. If you win your division, say, the West and the Midwest meet in a championship game in Omaha or something, I don't know what it would be, Denver or something like that, and then you have a championship game in Indy for the East and Great Lakes divisions, and then those two meet in the Rose Bowl for the Big Ten Championship, and then that team moves on to the college football final championship against the SEC team, that could be fun. That could be fun. But, man, we're in this messy area right now where I don't know where it's heading. I don't know if it's going to be better. I have so many questions about the short term, the long term, and all of it, and and whether it will be good, whether it is better for fans, whether it is better – for college football. I know it's better for the TV, the, the TV folks. I know it's better for the bottom line of these athletic departments. Will the product be better? And obviously this is going to have ramifications of players are going to have to get paid with all this. There's just way too much money being made. So I, I don't like have a, a huge like, I'm, I'm not liking what it's at right now because it's so messy right now. It's so messy. I understand why it's happening. I do. It doesn't mean I have to like that it's happening, but I'm also open-minded that it could actually be a really good product at the end. Because there's one thing these TV people know, it's about putting on a good product. And uh, professional sports, I know a lot of college fans don't like professional sports or say they don't. Um, They put on usually pretty good playoffs and, and pretty good products at that level. So I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. In the meantime, Illinois is going to go go to Washington and Oregon and play football, and that that's fun. That's interesting. Get to go on the West Coast. Get to go to L.A. for UCLA and USC. And the good thing if you're Illinois, is you're in one of these conferences, and I I don't see them getting tossed out of this conference anytime soon. Even if the Big Ten eventually did, they consolidated more or whatever. I I don't think Illinois would be near that that cut line or whatever it is if, if the worst were to happen i i don't see that happening but it's uh it's interesting man and all these things of like winning a conference title certainly means a lot different like division titles you're gonna have to hold those up by conference titles moving forward um if, if we go back to divisions we have to right we have to again just questions got a lot of questions about where this ends up but uh it's happening it's happening right before our eyes. It has been insane covering college sports for the last four or five years. It's just about how everything is changing so much. I understand why a lot of people don't like it because it's a lot of change. It's a lot of change. In 10 years, will we like it? That's my biggest question right now. In 10 years, do we like what this all looks like for college sports? Right now, it's messy. NIL, huge change. Transfer portal, huge change. Now, this conference realignment, this round of conference realignment, Way bigger than the uh, early 2010s uh, conference realignment. All right, when we come back, how much can we read into this box score of Illinois versus the Madrid All-Stars, 84-73 in the shooting struggles, but the rebound goodness 
Michael Tulip's been on these trips. He's got some good insight on that. Coming up next on the Alana Inquirer podcast. This episode of the Alana Inquirer podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices and the path isn't always clear. This can be with some major life changes, guys, whether it's going away to college, hitting the real world on your own. I know that's difficult. Relationships with significant others or struggling as a parent. You always need someone to talk to. And whether you're dealing with decisions around your career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate this life thing. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, if you've kind of been wavering about it, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and if you don't mesh with that therapist, you can find another one for no additional charge with BetterHelp. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash All right, I figured if we're going to talk about box scores in Europe uh, and, and how we should uh, interpret these, I figure we should get somebody who's actually been on one of these trips and played basketball on one of these trips. It's our guy, Michael Tulip, Illini Choir basketball analyst, former Illini basketball player. What's up, Mike? How are you? I'm doing well, man. Um Box scores shouldn't be investigated uh, when, when, when there's literally no footage outside of some highlights that we see on on Twitter. But let's do it. Let's yeah. investigate. No, let's let's talk about this. What what are these trips like? Uh, you guys went to France with John Gross back in the day. Um, what are these like for the players? Well, it's super advantageous, especially for a team that's you know has some new faces with with both transfers and, and a few of the freshmen. So. To be able to have real games outside of just kind of seeing what you have in an exhibition game per se, or the secret scrimmages that that they do before the season, it's it's good to get things on tape. It's good to break down scenarios that go beyond just playing against each other in practice, where everyone knows your tendencies and um, you know. So being able to put that on film is big, uh, but also it's just you'll see it. They're very economical with with minutes. Um, guys are going to play big minutes on this trip. There's guys that won't play much at all during the season that that will be getting minutes, extended minutes. So you try to pull from it what you can. Um, there's there's not a ton to pull from it. So like I said, we'll do our best. But um, the coaches love these types of trips, and I know the coaches are, are getting multiple coaches um, yeah. or the whole coaching staffs getting getting a shot here. So. Um, those are the ways in which you you benefit from it, but um, it's really just kind of see what we have and try some things out um, type of deal. If if I made a, a list of ranking, what is the most valuable things out of this? Is the ten practices and just the ten days being around each other? Are, are those like how high are those in the list? I think the practices are the highest. I think because they're legit practices and, and for the guys for the freshmen and for the guys coming in you get at least somewhat of a taste of what it's going to be like in the fall um when you're likely doing two days and practices run two two and a half maybe sometimes three hours because you're you're trying to blend you know it sounds like they did a lot of skill work in the summer prepping you know leading up to being able to get on the floor and um you know be able to implement some things and um test some things out 
But yeah, I mean, that's, that's what these coaches love about it too. And I think the players, you start to feel like you're in a little bit more of a rhythm. Um, albeit you're going flying across the country. Uh, so there's, there's the, the jet lag is real. The, uh, I think when I was going over there, I was stuck in between Michael Finke and Mike Thorne. So it wasn't a comfortable flight. Uh, but you know, and then all of a sudden you're playing a couple of days into it. So you know, they'll shake the rust off, but those practices are huge to try to get some continuity. Yeah, and what what's this actually like? You you're going to Europe, man. Like I, I know this isn't maybe we were talking about the movie Euro trip before this. Maybe not as crazy as that, but that's a cool experience. Like it's just a it, cool uh, personal experience there. It's way cooler in retrospect, mm-hmm. um, and I and I really think that guys have to do their best when that when they're on that trip to understand you're getting like a free trip overseas uh you know some of those guys will play overseas but you know if you're with your wife or you're with your girlfriend you take a trip internationally odds are you're paying some money uh you know and we're just we were just going around belgium and going to the netherlands and um going to france and you're in paris and uh the really cool thing that they did and i wonder if they do something similar uh for these guys overseas is when we were in paris instead of just taking a whole day sitting on a bus going around touring the sites uh we did uh, the amazing race and essentially we broke off into teams my team was um was Laurent black and aaron jordan uh and you get eight euros and you have five different monuments eiffel tower uh all these things you have to hit you have to take a picture there uh and it's who can get on the transportation, see those things, take the picture and get back to the hotel in the fastest amount of time. So it was cool because it was warp speed, right? You'd have to spend the whole day or spend three days doing it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we, we won. Our, our group ended up, ended up winning it. And, but it was, it was sweet. I mean, we were literally sprinting around Paris. Um, we used, we used uh, the euros for a train to get out to the furthest destination. And then once we got to the furthest destination, that was really it. So we had to sprint back. So I think our last stop was the Louvre and we were just like sweating, running through. Everybody's looking at us like, what is going on? But it, it was, it was a blast, man. And um, we hit Paris on like our sixth day yeah. of 10. So there's part of it because you're playing, because you're, you're doing some practices here and there, there is that threshold of sixth, seventh day. Like, all right, you know, I, I I wouldn't mind getting on a flight back home, but now I think yeah. now looking back on it, those were 10 pretty incredible days and we, we were super fortunate to do that. What are the games like? I know each game, each venue can be different. Each opponent can be different. What is the, what is the actual playing like over there? It's rolling the dice. Once you walk in that gym, uh, what type of gym it is. I mean, you can see in the, in the pictures on Twitter, there's like glares in guys eyes, you know, coming through. It's almost like a, Dallas Cowboys Stadium where you know you're facing a certain end zone and and you have the the sun coming into your eyes and you know we uh, I remember our first game over in Belgium uh Thomas Peters was there former Illini golfer um Belgium native yeah. uh he was at the game but it's in this it was in this small like auxiliary gym and uh they you know they played around with lineups in that game and it was a tight game and you go into the locker room after the game and this is your first kind of litmus test trying to see what kind of team you are who you are and you're probably overthinking it as players one way or the other i know the 2019 trip that those guys took i think they won by 40 in their first game um you know so it's it's so interesting because 
you'll play guys that you know i remember one of our games there was like a seven a 16 year old on the other team and i think the staff was like oh we may actually like this guy or you know that's it could be a chance for recruiting if you see a young enough guy and then you'll play the next game and there's a guy that looks like he's 45 years old and presumably has a nine to five in addition to playing for whatever team that we were playing against at the time so uh it's just really cool because you start to see that your basketball that's your first experience of basketball going beyond just the united states and aau and playing college basketball seeing that you know you have people that love it from all corners of the world and uh you know a couple of those gyms because they were so small if you if there were 100 fans in there it sounded like there were 5,000 yeah. right I mean it's it's that, those are the types of of gyms we were playing in and then when we played the Netherlands national team um I believe is their B team I think I think the uh I think the 2019 team played them also we got our ass kicked um I mean we were down two at half and they came out and just blitzed us uh but that gym was it was like in their home gym. It was packed. It was a great environment. So um, you'll get some of that. And you'll get some. You'll get kind of nobody in the stands. So yeah. it, it runs the gamut, but it's it's what makes it so cool because at the end of the day, it's it's still basketball. This is weird to ask a competitor at such a high level. How much do the results matter to you guys? Well, when you're in it, it matters. Yeah. Uh, you know, like there's you you can't. It's really hard for guys at this level to turn turn it on and turn it off um i just think playing is playing because part of it too is you want to go out there and you want to be able to play the way you want to play because this is still some i mean maybe terrence shannon and coleman hawkins and a few of these guys have their roles set in stone but for for every one of these games it's a new opportunity for these guys i know you don't want to look too too far into it but you see sincere harris have five steals today and 14 points and that's not nothing and for a guy that is in a situation where you bring in Justin Harmon, you bring in some other guards, you got Dre Gibbs Lawhorn. Like, of course this means a lot to sincere Harris. Um, he plays that way as it is. And I think when you have a guy like that, that's the perfect guy to have on this trip because he's just going to, he's going to play his ass off no matter what continent he's on. So I'm sure that permeates and I'm sure the rest of those guys can feel that. So um, it matters. It, it, it matters a lot. I know in the grand scheme of things, you probably look back on it. You're like, is this a little game in France? But those are still habits that yeah. you're that you're building. And it should be for these guys every time they take the court. It, it means something. Yeah, I don't subscribe to these games don't matter. I also don't subscribe to they mean everything. Like, um, right. But what do you think the staff, what do they gain out of this week, the actual three games they're going to have? Like, what, what can they gain out of this? Well, I think you see first and foremost for the new guys – how guys react to real coaching um, outside of a incubated practice environment, right? When we yank you out of a game, right? When you turn it over twice and we pull you, like those types of things. How are guys going to react? What got? What type of guys do we truly have? Because what one thing you'll see, and it's not it's not just it's not an Illinois basketball thing. It's a college basketball thing. Um, man, chemistry is great in the spring and summer, huh? Um, sure is. Oh, guys, oh, guys just love each other um, in the spring and summer. I mean, this team compared to last year's team, it's just you hear it all the time. And I was in those locker rooms, and I, I felt it too. I'm like, damn, we are. Look how connected we are. Yeah. And then you play a game, right? And then minutes get allocated, and then shots get allocated. And then you that's when you really see who you got on a, on a day-to-day basis. So I think that's kind of an underrated – 
cool element for these coaches. Um, not only that some of those coaches get to coach, but you know, what, what type of guys do you have when there's a little bit of adversity? I know they, I think they got down by 14 today. Um, so who gets super quiet on the bench, who gets subbed out and makes it about themselves. Like those habits come to the forefront and, it, and it's, it's, that's why this trip is great. Cause you can, if there's certain guys that have issues and I, I'm not saying any of the guys did today, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even be able to tell cause we had no footage, right. but you know, those are conversations that you can have and you'd rather have them in, in August than in November, December. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, so we're recording this on Sunday night after Illinois comes back and beats the Madrid All-Stars 84-73. to As you said, Mike, they, they got down by 14, something like that in this game. But in the fourth quarter, they win 25-12. to The numbers that stand out, 3 of 25 from 3, 17 of 31 from the free throw line. Obviously, offensively, not very good. But they had 57 rebounds in this one, including 19 offensive rebounds and 42 misses. That stands out. So when you look at this box score, like what stands out most to you? Like what are you reading into the most out of this? Well, it looks like the first game on an overseas trip yeah. is what it looks like. Um, 21 turnovers, not shooting the ball well. I mean, that's that's another thing that you yeah. adjust to when you're going over there is you're using the FIBA ball. Um, FIBA ball is much different than the ball that you use during the season. And they got those 10 practices where they use that ball. But in a game, it's just – it's a little bit different. It feels like it's coming off your hands different. But – Look, I, I think the three for 25 from three, I mean, you get five threes from Sincere Harris. Do you, do you love the volume of attempts? Probably not. I mean, because if you look, you subtract his his three-pointers. I know he made one, but but that's that's five for nine from the field. You're over 50%, super efficient. Um, and he was still six for 14. But those are things that I think he can, you know, start to be a little bit more economical with and um, but look at the minutes, right? Like 21 for Shannon, 19 for Hawkins. Like, that's just not going to happen right. during the season. Um, I know A.J. Red got the start. I'm, I'm really curious to see how they um, how they did that. I mean, I, I started one of the games when, when we were in France, and um, sometimes it's just a, maybe you reward one of the yeah. groups in practice. I mean, there's it could be a myriad of things. I'm not, I'm not sure, but, um, Mar- but I think you Mar- could Mar- 14 minutes that's probably not happening in the season. probably not happening yeah i mean like i said this is it's super balanced but i think two things that you just kind of feel um you know when you look at it and, and i believe if they're if they're allocated the way that they are i mean you get four offensive rebounds from goody you get four offensive rebounds from rogers um you know you get eight rebounds from hawkins in 19 minutes and you get five offensive rebounds and 15 overall from danger so you know i get the other team's probably missing shots too but that's something I think the 
the people that went to that practice the other day, you could see. I mean, right? Like, there's there's good rebounders on this team. There's guys that have a nose for the ball. That is encouraging. But three for 25 from three, 21 turnovers. I, I think in 2019, their first game, they had 18. Um, and granted, you know, no, no Andres Feliz, no Kofi um, on that trip as well. So guys probably playing a little bit out of their outside of their role. And that's the same thing in this game, right? Like, I'm not sure AJ Red's used to getting a ton of minutes. He he turns it over once in his six minutes. Like, it's just, it's clunky. And it's meant to be clunky because you're trying things out and you're you're seeing what you got. So, um, like, I don't expect Quincy to, to play 16 minutes during the season. He might if he has some foul trouble here and there. But um, I expect him to have a better, uh, I guess, a bigger impact than that just from a from a minute standpoint so um it's interesting it's interesting to see that you know you're led in field goal attempts by sincere um how many times that's going to happen during the season i think 2019 alan griffin had 31 points in a game tev jones was like 16 a game out there and it's just you know again you're seeing what you have but i think there are some encouraging things on this stat sheet um now it just remains to be seen if they can find a way to shoot it and progress throughout their their time there, but it goes back to what we talked about, right? If 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 the if they are contested shots because you struggle to get two to commit from your point guards, um, then maybe this trend continues. Uh, so it's it's on Ty Rodgers, Dre Gibbs, Law, Horn, Sincere, Harris, guys like that to make it a point to get into the paint to try to open up Terrence Shannon and some of these other guys for cleaner three point looks as opposed to more around the arc around the arc around the arc chuck like those are the ones that that you don't want i don't know what i don't know what you know what the variety was today but my my guess is there there maybe weren't a ton of open ones um or maybe there were and these are just tired legs from the trip yeah i mean i think this kind of if you look into this the same way as the summer league the ryan rosillo right Uh, you you brought up like hey whatever you want to believe like that's what you buy into her um but i I do think the major questions for this team for me coming out of the practice which is only one practice and then just seeing a stat sheet like this a box score is i came out of that practice saying i don't know if they have enough shooters because marcus damask was injured and marcus damask is a good shooter um, and he's out. He's got the hamstring injury. And I think we saw that today. Like, Luke Goody's two of six. The rest of the team is one of 19. Like, there's just not a lot of great shooters on this team. And when Shannon and Hawkins don't shoot the three well, you're relying on Goody a lot um, because there's really just not a lot of other shooters. I, I would imagine Quincy gets a couple more up in, in a real game. Uh, but free throws remain a concern for me. Ty Rogers, one of five. Danger, two of six. Uh, Harris, one of two. That's got to be better. Terrence gets to the free throw line. We know that. But the upside of what I see is Illinois is big and physical and long, Mike. They're going to be very good defensively. Sounds like they were very good defensively today. Uh, again, the competition we don't know, but and we don't know the uh, opponent's box score here, but it looks like they were really good defensively down the stretch, especially the first quarter. They were really good defensively. So I think the upside of this team is their defense is going to be really, really, really good. Their front court is going to be really physical. Uh, it's just going to come down to do they have enough distribution and shot creation and, and shot making? Um, and well, that'll have to play out as the season goes along. But there's just not a lot of guys I sit there and go, that's definitely a great shot maker. Luke Goody, we know is. We think Marcus Domask will turn into that. Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins are coming off a, a poor shooting years and you know they don't have a point guard that we know that that's going to create for them that's why Dre Gibbs Allhorn I think is going to be 
pretty important for this team, and, and Ty Rogers obviously is going to be. Yeah, all those guys are going to be super important for this team. And and look, just on, on the flip side of that too, I mean, think about if they came into this game and shot 12 for 25. Like, would that change your opinion on them as a as a team shooting the basketball? Like, I think you'd still need to feel like there's things that need to be seen. Um, but, yeah, I, I think – and I, I don't want to overreact to one game or just the volume of attempts, you know, taking 25 threes – in a game, but you know, there, there may be times throughout the season where, you know, if you shave, if you shave down attempts from some guys that probably need to, to focus getting downhill a little more, um, you know, then you probably put yourself in a position to take better ones more consistently and, and you can shoot a better percentage. Like it doesn't have to be 25 to 33s a game. If you can hover in that kind of 18 to 20 range and make seven of them, right? Like yeah. you're, you know that that's a that's a pretty good clip especially if you're prioritizing good ones but back you know back to your initial point yeah it is like the ryan rosillo summer league thing where it's like i don't i don't let summer league change my thoughts i usually let them affirm my thoughts <laughs> you know and, and the the point of that is you know i'm not reading this box where being like well quincy he's doing nothing for them this year um just like you're not like hey sincere harris like he's clearly the guy that's going to be taking the most shots, right? But, like, I look at Ty Rogers and Luke Goody, you're like, hey, two pretty good rebounders getting rebounds again. Dane Danger, good rebounder, getting rebounds again. Like, there's certain things that you can pull from it that actually have some some substance. I'm just, I'm just curious to see as these games go on what true trends emerge because yeah. I, I think that's the one thing where, I, you know, one game, not a great sample size, four – it's something right. right like it's and and i will say too i i would fully expect dane to have a good showing for the rest of this trip because if there's one thing i've learned from these foreign trips is that bigs do well yeah um mike thorne did really well on our foreign trip georgie did really well in 2019 uh, i think georgie was close to 20 a game mm -hmm. in, in in 2019 and, and georgie obviously had his moments but um but i just think dane is is going to be one of those guys where Every single night, yeah. he's going to be one of the, you know, he's going to be a mismatch for the other team. So I came out of last week's practice, Mike, that we were able to see. And again, it's one practice, right? But um, this is what, right. what, what we can see. It's, it's a sample size I had. I love Terrence mid-range game. Dre Gibbs Lawhorn just showed me the talent they need at that position. Going to have ups and downs. And maybe he can be close to what Jaden Epps was or around that last year. Um, but the guy, the other guy who really stood out to me was Sincere Harris. And we know what his defense is. He changed the practice defensively. Today he had five steals. But there was an assertiveness offensively. Like there was a confidence offensively that even if it wasn't always the most efficient, like he was attacking the rim. He was, wasn't afraid to take shots. Um, I think that that's really important for this guy. So like what do you think about just him showing some assertiveness? What do you think that can translate into in the year? Because I don't think either of us expect him to be great offensively. But – if he can add something offensively that he becomes a completely different player. If he creeps anywhere towards a net positive offensively, I don't know how the hell you take him off the floor. Oh. I, honestly. And, and, and part of that's going to be a concerted effort from him to try to remain as efficient as possible. Cause here's, here's the reality. That's a very downhill confrontational driver mm -hmm. and confrontational drivers find themselves with a free throw line. So, can you be better than 20%? Um, the 20%, I think it was 20, right? 20-something 20 yeah. last year. Um, 
you know, because you can't you can't be the guy that will not shy away from putting your nose on the rim and then shy away from being the guy who steps up to the free throw line. So that to me, like that's that's the next step for him because even today, seventeen for thirty one from the free throw line as a team. And if he's going to play, like if Sincere Harris is going to play 20, 25 minutes, and I, I, I don't know, maybe that's going to be the case, maybe it's not, yeah. he's going to find himself at the free throw line. So, and, and I, I know this just from having guys that I've been teammates with, if you, can, if you can rectify that, if you can start capitalizing on opportunities at the free throw line, you become a little bit more confident mm-hmm. in your offensive game um, because you're not afraid of certain situations or, oh man, like, I've always said it. If your first thought when you get fouled is, oh, shit, that's a problem. Like, you have to find a way to wire yourself in a way that's like, that's two points, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you just, you messed up for fouling. This is two. Like, we're going back the other way. Like, I already have it in my, I'm already, I'm making these free throws. And like that, and maybe it's lying to yourself. At the beginning, have you right? ever just gone? The, have you ever gone through a free throw slump? Being the shooter you are, have you ever had that struggle? Um, I, I don't think so. No, I mean um, that, that, you're probably the wrong guy to ask. I'd love I've to had, ask. I've had that. slumps from three for yeah. sure, but free throw line is just. And I don't know. Like I had teammates at Illinois, uh, and I've had teammates in my career that it compounds when you're a poor shooter. Because what I came to find from poor shooters, it just it doesn't matter. It wasn't not just in college; it was just anywhere in my career. Um, poor shooters they tend to shoot less on their own, and the reason for that is because poor shooters don't like seeing themselves miss. Hmm. So how can you get better? And like, if it's tinkering things with your mechanics, if it's tinkering things um, just with your mentality, like anything in life. You haven't, you've never golfed before, go to the driving range, you're going to have to put up yourself sucking for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it can't discourage you from continuing to play. It can't discourage you from continuing to like step up to the line and be like, well, this time, like I'm caught, like it has to be short, you know, short-term memory. And yeah, I mean, it's those type of things can snowball, especially when like for a Terrence Shannon, a Terrence Shannon might get 12 free throw attempts in a game. Um, a sincere Harris might be like four. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's two. Maybe it's one off of an and one. So if you've missed, if you go 0 for 1 in one game, you get two the next game, you miss both of those. I mean, there's like a week that passes. And now I'm going down a, a real rabbit hole here with my theory around volume shooters. Like this is, I'm sorry, this is what you get. This is what yeah. you get on this pod. Yeah. But um, Kendrick Nunn, when he went to Oakland, okay, like the difference between a volume shooter is they can shoot themselves in and out of a slump in the same game. Kendrick Nunn took 16 threes in a game at Oakland, and he started off the game 0 for 7. And I think he finished the game 7 for 16, which would mean he was 7 for 9 on his last threes. But for a guy that's lower volume, that's 0 for 2, and then you go home and sit in your apartment. Mm-hmm. Right? So to get to those 16 threes, like that 0 for 7 for Kendrick was just the first half. For another guy, that could be four games. So, like, how is that... How are you dealing with that? So I tie it all back to if Sincere can be confident, and it's way easier said than done. Um, I, I'm not – like the way he defends and the way he disrupts, and I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. He's stealing He's stealing dude's minutes. Yeah. He can do that. I agree. 
Um, one guy I wanted to bring up because I'm, I'm writing about him for Monday and uh, having Luke Goody on the team the entire year. I mean, you see today, two of six from three. Yeah, he shot 42% from three in a small sample size. Started When he got back from the injury, Mike, started slow as we expected. I think I was of the mind like, hey, Atlanta fans, I don't think he's going to change everything right away, and he didn't. But towards – they lose three games in a row to end the season, but Luke Goody was a huge bright spot in those last three games. 24 points, shot six of nine from three in those last three games. And this is one of the worst shooting teams in the country last year. And – he just looks like he's consistent, man. Like to, to have that guy is going to be so important. Like he's such an integral part of what they're going to do. Just because you have to respect it, defenses have to respect this guy who can space the floor. Yeah, very similar to the the phrase that you would use for Jacob Grandison, right? Like yeah. he's a connector. Um, he's kind of that connective tissue, that adhesive to, um, you know, be kind of a a model of what you want when you're out on the court. I think I, the, I think the game that was most impressive to me last year for him, it was, it was pretty soon after he came back from the injury was at Indiana. Like it's just, you know, he just made so many plays that make you sit there and go, yeah, I mean, I'd play him too. If I was Brad Underwood, I I'd play him frequently because he knows where to be and when to be there. (laughs) And, and certain guys, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it goes beyond just, Hey, he, you know, if you drive right down the slot, like he knows a shift from the wing to the corner, right? He knows, um, you know, on a drift pass, I need to get down. I need to get into an angle so you can feed me, right? I'm a good shooter. Like those things sound so trivial and they're just like, guys just don't do it. I mean, I, how many film breakdowns do we have last year where I'm like, Hey man, you're going to get in the vision of the passer or like what's going on here? And you wonder why you're not getting the ball. You're not getting clean three-point attempts. Luke Goody shows up and he's doing that. So <clears throat> to have a guy like that and the importance of having a guy like that when you have new faces, freshmen, transfers, because I think he'll push those guys. And I think he just kind of serves as like, oh, wait, yeah, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Right? We compete every play. You can see, like, he has some stuff to him, right? Like, he, he, he'll he talk trash. You can see it. He did. Like he's uh, got, the, the other day he, he stuffed, I think it was sincere. And he was talking, talking his crap. Yeah, I mean, it's it's real. He's a competitor, and he's gonna be big part, big uh, play, big part for them this year. All right, Mike. So we get two more box scores on this trip. What, what are you looking into? What should we dive into once we see another box score with a couple of selected highlight clips? Yeah. Well, again, I mean, <laughs> they go nine for eighteen next game. I mean, like, like, are they a good shooting team now? I, it's, I, you want to see. To me, I want to see how. I look at turnovers a lot. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to be clunky, but particularly for Ty and maybe for Dre Gibbs, Lawhorn, guys like that. Like, are you taking care of the ball? Are you a two to one assist to turnover ratio guy? Or even, you know, maybe on this trip, just as they continue to get their feet wet, are you one to one? You don't want to be in the negative, especially if you're a guy that you want to, they want to look to to be like, oh, yeah, I mean, here are the keys. Um, so that's, that's what I'm looking for. There's only going to be so much that we can deduce from highlights right like they posted one tonight terrence is driving left dunking with his left hand we know that yeah we know we know yeah. the left hand he can time walk it yeah let's yeah, see the right, right hand you got a right hand one yeah yeah so you know like that's those are things that you know, you're not gonna be able to read too much into with the highlights but you know can dane be consistent when you know he should probably have an advantage in most of these games and then integrating quincy right integrating justin Harmon, 
Like, do they have a game where they pop a little bit, where they can get some confidence? I mean, Aaron Jordan had a really big game when when we played. I think he had 17 in in one of the games, shot it really well, and it kind of propelled him because, you know, once the season started, he felt like he had been there before. So can you get a good Amani Hansberry game, a good Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn game? You just need – like, if you're a staff, you're like, can we get one, right? Mm-hmm. One where, like, it really pops and they feel confident about it. So that's what I'm looking for. Michael Tulip, thanks for uh, giving us some insight on what we should be looking for, man. Uh, and then hopefully we'll have some games in a couple months that we can actually break down that we get to see everything. But uh, appreciate the insight, man. Yeah, man. No problem. Great stuff as always from our guy, Mike Latulip. Appreciate you listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcast. We'll try and gather as much as we can about Illinois basketball. It's tough. Like when we're not over there, we just weren't able to pull off the trip. Um, I hate that we can't give you more insight about not being there, all that. But uh, we'll try and gather as much insight as we can on this trip. Uh, we do have more content coming up on the Illinois basketball team. I got a story on Luke Goody uh, coming out here very shortly. And of course, we're covering training camp as closely as possible as well. A lot of closeness uh, about the uh, training camp, but but we're gathering a lot from the players and coaches already. We'll get to talk to a lot more players and coaches uh, as this week goes along, getting into week two of Illini football training camp. So check all that out at Illini Inquire. And if you're listening to this podcast on Monday, August 7th, there's a final day, 60% off VIP membership to Illini Inquire, $75 off it's not very many cents per day uh, of Illini Inquirer for the next year. So if you want to be a VIP member, we've got another great deal for you all the way through August 7th uh, at 11 p.m. Central time. So give us, a, give us a try and appreciate all the new members that have joined us in the last month. It's been awesome. We're at an all-time high uh, for subscribers, and the support is unbelievable. Uh, whether you're just a podcast listener or you watch us on YouTube or you are a full VIP member, uh, we appreciate all the support, but the VIP members, like that is our lifeblood. That's how we're able to do what we do uh, and, and cover this team as well as we want to. Uh, and as the more we grow, the more we put into it. So uh, the more resources we, resources we like to put into covering your favorite teams. Oh, before I get out of here, I have to wish my son, Torin, happy seventh birthday. I have a seven-year-old. That's insane. Getting old, people getting old. Uh, But everybody, thank you for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Take it away, Torn. Bye, everybody. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.